last week um, we shared two pictures and, and one of them was about the potter and the clay. And I was just thinking, you know, in moments like this in worship where we have this opportunity to bring ourselves before Him as His lumps of clay and just be like, Lord, I'm soft, you know, I'm malleable, mold me. You know, that's what these moments of worship are that we get to enter into is, is he's, gonna, he's gonna transform us. He's gonna take that piece of clay and he's gonna shape it and mold it. He's gonna trans- transform you from the inside. And he's also gonna cause you to, to, to be crafted into like a vessel for his use. And so as we push into worship, that's what we're doing. We're, we're allowing our hearts to be softened allowing ourselves to come before Him and (laughs) just be clay. Yeah, the other image was of a, a wineskin that we would massage the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit into that wineskin and keep it supple, keep it flexible that He would fill it with His Spirit, fill it with His wine, with His presence. And so we just invite you to do that, Holy Spirit, this morning as we baptize people, as we worship, as we, as we speak that our hearts would be be filled by your presence. That our lamps would be full with oil when the bridegroom comes. really believe that those are keys for us this year in, in 2023 <laughs> that we would surrender to being the clay <laughs> it's, a, it's obviously a, a humble image uh, but that we would allow ourselves to be soaked and drenched in his anointing so that we are supple and we can hold as a vessel or a wineskin we can hold his, his presence, his anointing because the world needs it. <laughs> you and I need it. We desperately need it. <laughs> but so does everybody around us. <laughs> Been really meditating on Hebrews 12 where it talks about the discipline of the Lord and that as his sons and daughters, he he disciplines the ones he loves. That he, he kind of chastises our hearts through life, 
through the toughness of life, through stuff, just life's happening. And so we may as well receive it <laughs> as a loving discipline from a kind and generous Father who wants to do something special on the inside of us. Uh, you're welcome to take a seat. <laughs> Thanks, team. You're welcome to stay up here, but you know, like, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> there was, um, there was actually this moment in my life where I think a crucial thing happened that changed uh, the way I received discipline. Um, you know, like I already knew Jesus as a as a young person, but um, but at the age of twelve, I remember being water baptized. And uh, I was at North City New Life, and, and the pastor, Steve Blackmore, baptized me. And I remember um, everything started to change from that point in terms of my relationship with the Father and, I, and receiving His discipline. And I, I remember, um, you know, like my brother and I had a different approach to discipline. Um, there was this one time we got sent to our bedroom. We shared a room till we were about 15. We got sent to our bedroom, not sure why. Can't remember, as in. Um, it was probably a reason. It was definitely a reason. We got sent to our bedroom, and, um, but we snuck out the window, and we went over to our neighbor's house, and they were off to the YMAC with the Nifty 50 to go hooning around. So we jumped in the full drive and went with them. And um, we came back later that afternoon. I don't know how many moments, you know, hours transpired. Uh, but it's probably a significant period of time um, from Papua Nui to wherever, the YMAC. And um, I remember coming back, and we snuck back inside, and, and um, I'd say we were missed. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but I'm sure that they noticed that we weren't there. And um, my dad, I had the sense that he was like slightly proud of us, um, <laughs> but also he, he needed to discipline us. And uh, I remember being in his bedroom, and he's sort of like, this is back in the day, so you know, don't judge here, but would you like the, the belt? Or the uh, <laughs> or the um, the cheese board it was like a wooden, you know, skinny little cricket bat. Uh, <laughs> uh, the hand or the bottom was the option, and I remember my brother and I were quite different. And he would he ran he ran, <laughs> he bolted he was running around the bed, and my dad's almost in tears, laughing, just like watching him. You know, like don't discipline out of anger. It was out of love. <laughs> but he was laughing just because, you know, my brother's in tears. And, Don't have, no. uh, and, and I, my, my approach was different um, in that I remember just standing there and just, you know, like, like take it, yeah. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> um, but, yeah, but he, there was this, um, in the wisdom of my dad, he knew that there was something in me that needed to break, actually. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until until you do cry, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I just I just remember that um, that actually from that moment of being baptized, um, my my capacity to withstand temptation and so, to be self controlled and to uh, even my desire, desires started to change, like quite significantly. And I like hundred percent. I believe that the Holy Spirit from that moment on. Uh, he he got me through a secular high school. <laughs> he got me through, and he um, he became my best friend, my internal friend, and he off he always offered me a way out. So he always convicted me of righteousness, 
and, and like, hey, this is the path to follow. It's not to say that I always did follow, because <laughs> uh, there's definitely times when I listen to my flesh, but, um, but he always, without exception, he always offered me a way out, and it was remarkable. And I also know that from that point on, um, I started to know his presence personally, and he gave me joy, and he gave me, uh, he gave me joy, and he gave me rest. There's two things that have never really been shaken in my life that, that from that point on, I knew joy and I knew rest. And it was like stepping, um, I've just been reading um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to the, the kids, but uh, it was like stepping into the wardrobe and meeting Aslan face to face. You know, like at any one moment in time, I could step into this realm or this, uh, I don't know, whatever, however you want to describe it, um, and, and encounter joy and encounter rest. And so those two things um, I've, I've, I've known and have carried um, with me. And, I, and I'm just boasting in him, really, because I know the wretch I'd be without him. So, um, But there was this moment, I was 14, and I was on a southern storm camp. Does anyone ever heard of those or been on one of those? It was a, it was a big deal um, with the New Life Church. And my friend, uh, Jess Webster, turned to me in this worship service. We're in a big tent. Um, you know, like, I don't know how, there's at least a thousand people in there. And she said to me, um, she said, uh, have, you, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, I, I mean, I wasn't sure. So I just said, I don't think so. Uh, and she, she turned to me and said, can I pray for you? And we're 14. And, and I was like, yeah, sure. And as, immediately as she started praying for me, I started to not be able to stand. Like I was struggling to stand. There was a weighty, uh, like I was just buckled forward and it was as if I was under something quite heavy. Um, and, and then the sensation started to lift and as I slowly sort of stood upright, uh, the, everyone was singing a song, it was during worship and so I started to try and sing the song with them and instead of singing, I started speaking in tongues or singing in tongues and, um, and she just turned to me and said, hey, did you speak in tongues before? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, you do now. Uh, I was like, cool. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I, like prior to that moment, I'd, had, I'd known intimacy with Jesus, but, but I'd only observed really much of what the Holy Spirit was doing. Like I'd observed, I'd been an observer. I'd, I'd seen people tremble. I'd seen people shake. I'd seen people fall over. I'd seen people, you know, deliverance and those sort of manifestations. I'd seen healing. I'd seen prophecy, but I'd never been a partaker. Um, I'd always just been this sort of intrigued bystander. And, and I'd been hopeful. I'd been hungry. Um, but that was probably it. And... Uh, from that point on, from 14 years old, I was no longer watching on. Like I encountered a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and um, man, I love I love hearing people's testimonies of their own encounters. Um, but I, I I could go on for ages about how that changed from that point on. Um, there's there's been multiple subsequent infillings and encounters with Holy Spirit's power, um, holy laughter, uh, prophecy, dreams, you know. Um, seen healings, angelic visitations, um, perceiving and seeing the demonic, um, evicting the demonic. <laughs> um, but these are things that the Holy Spirit has allowed me to see and to experience and that have changed my life. And I know that majority of you out there um, can testify the same thing. But 
it's like his power when the Holy Spirit, his power when he came on me, um, even scripture, scripture came alive firsthand. You know, those things that we see in scripture started as, became a firsthand experience. And so today I really wanted to speak about the anointing, but I actually felt um, God say to take a step back. And so I, I just want to start with who is Holy Spirit? Who is Holy Spirit? We all know that he's the third person of the Trinity, and I'm not going to do an awful job of trying to explain that because um, I tried that teaching Christian studies at Middleton, and everything falls short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he is the third person in the Trinity, uh, co-substantial and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. So he proceeded from them, and yet he's equal with them. He's emphatically called holy because he is infinitely holy in and of himself. So we, we call him Holy Spirit because he is the, he's the author and he is the, the finisher of all holiness in you and I. That's where it starts and finishes is with Holy Spirit in us. And he once moved upon the deep and he, he allowed a, a virgin to conceive <laughs> and yet, um, this morning, as we begin this series on Come Holy Spirit, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, like I really believe that He wants to give us a fresh infilling and a baptism of this very Holy Spirit um, within you and I this morning. So we're going after 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting just after our barbecue, <laughs> sausage sizzle, after the service. That's we're going to do that, and then it's a great way to lead into fasting if you're actually... Uh, doing the food thing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, this is a chance for us, 21 days of just collectively coming before his face and seeking him and saying, come Holy Spirit. Um, I want to be yours wholeheartedly without any doubt or any hesitation. And so we are doing, um, we're doing evening worship from seven to eight every night. And that's going to go on for 21 days. So you're welcome to come and join us. For, it's just going to be a brief hour of prayer and worship um, in the building somewhere. It'll probably be in here. <laughs> um, but that's, that's going to be wonderful. So any, any, any evening, come and join us. Uh, Samuel, when does that start, my friend? Tonight. Starts tonight. Starts tonight. Sweet. So Sunday night. Tonight, 7 p.m., we'll be in here worshiping. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> I was, um, I remember it wasn't too long ago, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, I was with Gideon, and Gideon had just come to me and he was surprised because uh, someone had referred to Harmony as a Pentecostal church. And um, I don't, he was surprised, I don't know, maybe he just hadn't ever thought of it that way or hadn't dis- defined Harmony as such. Um, but it struck me like, hey, where do we stand? And um, so Pentecostalism is usually defined, this is like a really oversimplification, but it's usually defined as a movement that thinks that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience, right? Um, usually after conversion. And sometimes that's marked with speaking in tongues. And that, that's an oversimplification, and there's lots of views. Um, but I really wanted to track through some scripture today because perhaps that we will see today in Scripture, there is a precedent for us um, that there's a difference between the infilling of the Spirit and at conversion and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, so the Holy Spirit, 
He's omnipresent, right? Yeah, so he's everywhere, all the time, all, everywhere, all the time, everywhere. <laughs> uh, and there's heaps of examples in the Old Testament of where he came on people or where he filled them, right? Old Testament times. Um, but he, was, he wasn't poured out on all flesh under the Old Covenant. It's the New Covenant where he says, I will be poured out on all flesh. And so instead, certain men or women were filled with the Spirit uh, for certain times. Yeah, they had certain duties. So it was often an empowerment for a specific assignment. And so you can go through scripture and you can see like Joseph was filled with the Spirit back in Genesis. And the craftsmen who built the tabernacle were filled with the Spirit back in Exodus. And Joshua was filled with the Spirit um, back in Numbers. And the judges, um, Judah, uh, sorry, Gideon, Jethel, uh, Samson, they were filled with the Spirit in the book of Judges. Uh, King Saul and King David were filled with the Spirit in 1 Samuel. And so there's these examples, but there's this prophecy in Joel, um, which looks forward to this glorious new covenant where the Spirit of God would be poured out, poured out on all flesh. And so I want to read from you this uh, from, from John this morning. Um, it's from the RSV, but you can pick out any translation. In, in the Greek, it's, it's pretty unmistakable. Um, John 20, and it says this. It says, when he had said this, this is Jesus, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So just prior to this, Mary had gone to the tomb um, with Peter and John and some other disciples that's not mentioned, um, and they discovered that it's empty, right? And then the boys ran off racing. For some reason, the author had to mention that John won, and because um, he was super fast. Anyway, Mary sees an angel, and then Rabbi and I, appears to her and she thinks he's the gardener and um, she goes back to where the disciples are staying and she like tells them the story she testifies of what's just happened later on in that evening they're behind closed doors and Jesus appears in the room and he's in the flesh and presumably all the disciples are there excluding Thomas because Thomas finds out later <laughs> And after blessing them and commissioning them, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So this was the point. It's post-resurrection Eve, <clears throat> post-glorification, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. This is the point when they received this indwelling life and eternal life through the Holy Spirit. They were born again of the Spirit. Then we go to Acts 1. Four to five, it says, speaking to the same disciples, they're now, they're now referred to as the apostles, but Jesus says this, he says, he charged them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you hear from me, for John baptized with water, but before many days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah? You tracking? So before many days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But wait, haven't they already received the Holy Spirit? Because he breathed on them. Same, same guys. 
Right? And then in Acts 2, we know, um, particularly verses 1 to 4, that this is the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost had come, and they were all there in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues of fire, as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's a great scripture. (laughs) And Pentecost was the first manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrated without Jesus actually being present. Right? So the disciples had operated under his anointing. Um, that while they've been walking around with him, his presence, he's there as a dude and he's, they're imitating him, right? And they'd operated under his anointing. So they'd seen lots of stuff happen. But here we have like visible fire. We have speaking in tongues and even other languages, like known languages. Um, they all go out testifying about what God has done in these languages. Uh, and later in the same chapter, everyone around them thinks that they're kind of in some sort of drunken state um, and Peter clarifies, no, it's not, it's, not, it's not wine, it's too early in the morning. Uh, and this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, you know, that we've been waiting for for like millennia, that, that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And, and we would dream dreams and we would have visions and we would prophesy and there would be signs and wonders in the first heaven and on earth. So scripture clearly states that Jesus imparted the Holy Spirit into his disciples right back on resurrection evening when he, uh, when he breathed on them. But here we are at Pentecost. And Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And the Holy Spirit has finally been sent from heaven. And they're receiving a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. So when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit and he breathed on them, the tense that Jesus used means that the words that he spoke could not have been like symbolic or prophetic or this will happen later. He, he literally imparted the Holy Spirit right then. And yet the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been sent. <laughs> Jesus made it clear that the Holy Spirit was not yet living within the disciples at the time of his death. And yet he promised that the disciples would receive the Holy Spirit coming to live within them. And this promise would be fulfilled just after Jesus was glorified. And then he taught, like on several different, lots of different occasions, that he would be glorified as resurrection. So on that day, only hours after his death, Jesus said that he was glorified like now um, and at once. So resurrection, Jesus glorified, they're filled with the Spirit. But it's only after the the new covenant and Jesus' blood had been ratified by his resurrection that the disciples could be born again, right? They hadn't had that experience up until then. So they 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 didn't have the capacity for the Holy Spirit to be within them as they were now in this fresh new way. The first of all humanity. (laughs) Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples as soon as their faith was evident, like their faith in the resurrection was evident, and so he breathed into them. And yet, before uh, he could send, before Jesus could send the promised baptism of the Holy Spirit prophesied by Joel, his father in heaven, um, he had to return, he had to ascend to heaven. And then the coming of the Spirit occurred when Jesus 
sent what his father had promised. So Jesus, he clearly linked the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost with the receiving of the Father's promise, the gift of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this idea of being endured with power, endued with power. Power, that, that word power in Greek is um, dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamite. You know, Pentecost was this experience where, like, clearly something significant happened that was different from that resurrection day evening. See, the Holy Spirit in your life is the seal of God's new covenant with you. It's the first fruits. It's a confirmation of your new nature, that your spirit has been born again as a new creation and that you are now the righteousness of Christ. But I want you to consider that a baptism of the spirit and fire still awaits you at that moment. Like, don't these scriptures we've considered show us that there are two experiences that may not be the same? Jesus himself, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and yet later he experienced the Spirit coming on him and anointing him. The, the first time in the new covenant that humanity received the Holy Spirit within them was when he breathed on them. And it was unique from Pentecost. They had two different experiences. And I think this sets a biblical pattern for people to believe that when we, when we believe on Jesus, we're baptized into his forgiveness, and then there's a baptism of the Spirit. It happened for the disciples at Ephesus, right? It's only the, there's the, that first time when the Gentile converts at Cornelius' house, um, they received new birth and a baptism of the Spirit together. So the, the New Testament shows us that that people often receive the baptism of the Spirit, I don't know, later, sometime, before, after. Uh, <laughs> well, why am I laboring this point? <laughs> I, I am because when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, subsequent to being born again, then they've got no difficulty in understanding what the indwelling spirit and what a baptism of the spirit and fire that looks like. Those two experiences, it's like blatant. It's really obvious. They can never define, they, they can never uh, deny it because it transforms them. Um, it transforms you from the core of your being. And, and it may happen simultaneously. Um, the, the, the frame of time is not the point. That's not the point at all. The point is, have we settled for a powerless Christianity? Because we've not been told to wait for power from on high. We've not, we've not pursued a personal baptism of the Spirit of God in fire. You know, you look throughout history and you name for me any general in the faith who's had an impact. You know, I think of William Seymour. I think of... Amy Sipple McPherson, I think of Smith Wigglesworth, Catherine Coleman, Oral Roberts, George Whitfield, uh, Charles Finney, um, Dennis Bennett is one of my favorites, the Booths, um, 
if you've ever read any of the biographies, Dennis Bennett's book, Nine O'Clock in the Morning, transformed my life. <laughs> He's this Episcopalian preach, uh, priest who encounters a charismatic moment <laughs> in his life because a couple prayed for him, and it changed him, and it changed America's history. These are revivalists, and, and many of them were, you know, they had normal lives. They were working. They were plumbers. They were tradesmen. They had normal working lives, and yet they walked in extraordinary firepower, you know, after an encounter with the Holy Spirit, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you long to be filled? Do we, do we long to fulfill God's call in our lives, right? Because I, I don't believe without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. Do we long to discern God's voice, to be guided by Him? Uh, are we hungry for signs and wonders and miracles, like just as a daily normality? I, I don't know about you, but I'm frustrated with the lack that I see in my own life. You know, like, um, we've been contending for people to be healed. Uh, our dear friend, young Elijah, uh, had a, a good turn yesterday, and there's a miracle taking place in his life. But, oh, that we would see the miracle happen immediately, because the power of the Holy Spirit is within us, and we declare something, and it is as it is in heaven. And I'm frustrated with my own lack, and, and I'm, sure, I'm sure that you are too, frustrated with the lack that we see around us. And I don't know, all I can say is, can we let these revivalists inspire us to pursue the Holy Spirit afresh? We can expect there to be an overflow of the supernatural of those sort of manifestations that even surprise us in our lives. You know, some of us, there's those of us that feel like maybe the Holy Spirit's passed us by. Like I'm unworthy or, or some of those feelings, I'll never be holy enough or, you know, I'm not in the right place at the right time. Or, um, or I've heard this a lot, like I'm just a thinker, I'm not a feeler that somehow excuses me from ever encountering the power of God as if he didn't create us all and, and know exactly how we function. Um, you know, like I've even seen, I've heard of people sort of rationalize things. You know, that was a physiological or a psychosomatic response. The subjective facts that back up why they responded that way. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, you know, but... Don't let our disappointment or our fear or our lack or our frustration hold us back from the more. You know, it, it, it was prophesied that it would be for all flesh, that the Holy Spirit is for all fresh flesh. And you, you may be a born-again believer. You may have been water baptized um, here this morning, but there's something that the Holy Spirit has for you yet to come. You know, I just don't think we can survive in this life without. You know, like it's just too ruthless. It's too messed up. Uh, it's too relentless, this world that we live in. Not to, like as a believer, not to have the power of God. Because we're here to make an impact. We're here to be the difference. We're here to be salt and light. And you can't produce oil in your own lamp. 
You've got to go to him to be filled up. It doesn't matter if, if you just, you know, conversions just happen, you just got born again. It doesn't matter if it's been a week, a month, a year, a moment. It doesn't matter if you've travailed or there's an ease. I just, I believe that there is an outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for every single one of us. And I believe that there's more. <laughs> why, why settle for one occasion, you know? Maybe this would happen um, subsequently, like experiencing them more and more and more and more encounters and, and, and more presence and more time with Him. The old timers um, used to say, you have to travail in order to prevail, right? Um, you know, like you see it in the upper room, they're travailing. They're, I mean, I don't know if they knew what they were doing, but they were there praying, waiting for something. And they would knew when that something came. And I, and I, I, I don't think travail necessarily has to, like the defini- definition in the dictionary can be a bit intimidating about, you know, um, agony and sorrow. Um, I think it's more passion and fervor and, and expectation and those groanings in the spirit. It's just too difficult to utter because I don't have words for it yet. But Holy Spirit, I want more of you in my life. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw in a vision the Lord sitting on a throne High and exalted with the train of his robe, his royal robe, filling the, the most holy part of the temple. The name that he used, that Isaiah uses here is Adonai, because he wouldn't even utter Yahweh, because it's just too holy. And so there's this holy presence of God filling the temple, but it's in the continuous tense. Filling is a continuous tense thing, that God's glory would keep on filling the temple and who's the temple now? Are. You are. We are. We are the temple. And so he says, arise and shine for my glory. The glory of the Lord is upon you. So we're to be filled continuously. To keep on being filled. I think it's right. I think it's right that we pursue a fresh baptism. That was the, the language of like the Puritans and even that. There's this old dude, Martin Lloyd-Jones, right? And he, he used to speak at um, Westminster Chapel. You know, he'd do like nine sermons on one verse in Romans. And yet his language was this, Oh God, he would say, I need a fresh baptism. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh filling. I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jump up, team. I guess, um, I don't know, you might be thinking, this is what I always think is, yeah, sure, how? Okay, okay, Joss, I get you. What, how? <laughs> and that's, um, that's just it, isn't it? Like, I don't know, did the disciples know what they were doing in that room? He just said, wait. And so he's asking us, really, are you going to wait on me? Are you, are you going to push in through pr- prayer? I, I'm assuming that, the disciples are finally fasting because they didn't fast when the bridegroom was with them. So they're probably fasting now. <laughs> now that he'd gone. It's hard in our, in our culture who likes to control everything. Yeah? Our culture of control. 
Yeah, it's particularly hard for the classic A types um, <laughs> because we have to kind of go with the flow. There's a sense of going with the flow. He said, wait, so we're going to wait. Because neither Jesus nor the Holy Spirit is going to make us do anything. He's the most gracious, gentle, the most beautiful one. But the thirstier you are, the more you're going to drink. So I just, I'd invite you to stand now. We're just going to stir our thirst together right now. <laughs> Jesus said in Luke, He said, How much more will, I, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You may never have encountered the Holy Spirit before. You may be going, Who is this Holy Spirit? <laughs> I just believe that this morning is an opportunity for us all to encounter Him. How much more so collectively. <laughs> so don't, don't struggle, just surrender. Don't, don't give up, press in. Let's, let's get filled up. Lord, we are thirsty. Holy Spirit, no, no one else satisfies We've tried the things of earth and we are discontent, discontent for anything that life has to offer but a touch from you. Would you impress on our spirits a deeper yearning for more of you? Would you awaken us from our slumber this morning? Will you take the shutters off our eyes, unshackle us from our complacency, and would you meet with us this morning? We need you. We so desperately need you. We, there is nothing else to turn to. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would baptize us afresh this morning. That each one of us would have a fresh encounter for, for this year, for 2023, that we would meet with you, Holy Spirit, face to face and encounter your presence that it would be tangible and real and transformative, that you would work on us from the inside out. So we just surrender to you, Holy Spirit, this morning. We lift our, lift our hearts, lift our eyes, lift our hands to you, just as a, a picture of surrender. <laughs>